I'm going to read a very familiar passage of scripture. In fact, the book of Isaiah as a whole is probably one of the most widely quoted Bible books that you'll ever come across. In fact, there's so many sayings and rich um, phrases from this book that a lot of people are shocked to find out that they came from the Bible. Um, But the book of Isaiah, book of uh, Isaiah chapter 10, and we're going to go down to verse 27. Say amen when you have it. And uh, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse number 27 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulders and his yoke from off of thy neck. And the yoke, everyone say the yoke, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Everyone say anointing. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning on this subject, when God makes you bigger than your problem. When God makes you bigger than your problem. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment that you've created Lord, I thank you that you've allowed us to come together as a church family to worship you, to magnify you, to edify one another, to walk out of here strengthened. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning in a special way. Bless everyone here today under the sound of my voice. Let them receive instruction, God, that they may take it back to their lives and apply it and see the hand of the Lord work in a mighty way. And everyone said, amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. As, uh, as already was mentioned just a few moments ago, the book of Isaiah that we're reading from this morning is without question a gem among gems in the Bible. The bulk of this book is written in a poetic genre, uh, but it's still radically different than Proverbs, Psalms, Lamentations, or Song of Solomon. So much so that Some people call the book of Isaiah, amen, the Shakespearean book of scripture. The poetry of Isaiah uses both rich and complex uh, verbiage, wording, and phrasing. And most of its uh, readers, amen, are forced to reread and reflect on its many um, dense passages. The history of this book is that it was written shortly after the nation of Israel had undergone a civil war. The civil war resulted in the nation of Israel being divided into two regions, the north and the south. Isaiah, when he wrote this book, is living in the southern region of this now divided kingdom. And in particular, he lives in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Both the northern and the southern regions, uh, however, are daily faced with threats from invading nations. The civil war itself was uh, the result of severe disobedience to God and to the word of the Lord. And uh, uh, God (coughs) is seemingly not happy with the way things are going. And as is so common in scripture and even in our lives today, God begins to put pressure on the divided kingdom from outside forces. And if you've never seen Israel on a map, It is a very small state, probably the size of Massachusetts. And in modern geography, it's right in between northern Africa, so Egypt, and uh, Iraq. 
uh, off to its right and or its north and then south is northern Africa or Egypt. Um, in those days, uh, of course, Egypt was already a thriving nation and they were constantly a threat to uh, the nation of Israel. But to the north of it was uh, Babylon and Assyria, which today would be known as northern Iraq and Turkey. And they were a constant pressure and threat, amen, to the nation of Israel. And when Babylon and Assyria wanted to fight with Egypt, there was only one way to do it. They would have to traverse through Israel. And many times as they went through Israel, amen, they would ransack and pillage the nation and uh, set up their camps there and even uh, severely abuse the people of God. And God goes on record as saying that some of this was his doing. God goes on record as saying the pressure that's being put on your life is due to your rebellion and to your disobedience. Amen. The nation of Assyria in particular during the book of Isaiah is putting a great amount of pressure on the nation of Israel. And God speaks through Isaiah and tells him to warn his people that Assyria is a very real threat. However, God also tells his people to not be afraid and to have hope. In fact, all of Isaiah's prophecies are really unique in that they, they, they talk about severe judgment, but they also talk about incredible hope. Amen. God tells his people over and over and over again in the book of Isaiah, judgment is coming, but if you repent, if you get things right, Amen. You'll survive the judgment that is coming. Amen. You can, you can make things right and you'll survive this situation. Or you can stay in your stubborn ways and be broken. Amen. And God speaks through Isaiah and says that even if Assyria asserts itself over Israel, he will deliver Israel. God will not tolerate the arrogance of Assyria. Assyria had a little problem. And God even said that Assyria was his rod and staff of correction. But Assyria had a problem. And that was that as a people, as a nation, they were horribly arrogant. Amen. They weren't just satisfied with being a powerful nation. They were arrogant about it. And so God lets Assyria know, I am using you, amen, to uh, put pressure on my people. But I won't tolerate any mess from them or from you. Amen. And I will do whatever I want with whoever I want. And God proceeds to explain through Isaiah how he will in a very unorthodox fashion and method, how he will free Israel from Assyrian enslavement. He tells Isaiah that the yoke that uh, they put on Israel will be broken by the anointing. Amen. The yoke, if you don't know what a yoke is, it's a, it's, it's a T-bar, like a wooden T-bar, a wooden cross. And uh, you set it on the back of oxes. Amen. And then you connect it to a plow. And then that's how you make, that's how you pull the plow. Amen. Um, normally, uh, when you put these, this big crossbar on the two cows or the two oxen or the beast of burden, whatever they are, it leaves a real nasty mark on the animals. And uh, yokes throughout all of scripture uh, were typically, uh, with the exception of a few places, seen as a form of bondage and enslavement and hardship. The Bible talks about the yoke of sin. And in this particular case, uh, the yoke is, is Assyria. And God, God tells Israel, he says, when Assyria comes on you, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be unpleasant. He says, but I will destroy the yoke by way of the anointing. Um, 
we are apostolic. We're Pentecostal around here. And uh, Pentecostals love this verse. Um, they always preach that the anointing uh, will break the yoke and that uh, God is just going to get on us during a song service, during the preaching, and that you'll come to church, amen, and, and in just a few seconds you're going to get freed up from all the mess you've been doing for 20 years. Um, uh, I'm going to read to you this verse in Hebrew. Uh, well, at least the, the last particular phrase, which says that the anointing will be broken because of the yoke. Um, the literal reading of that verse, and almost every translation of the Bible does this now. Uh, you, you could find it anywhere. But the literal Hebrew is, is penei shamen. And penei shamen, if you want to know the exact literal translation of penei shanem in Hebrew is, uh, I will destroy the yoke because of the fatness on your face. Um, but if you want... Uh, it's, it's a bit of an idiom, but if you want to know a more modern way of translating that, is I will destroy the yoke by way of fatness. Uh-huh. Praise God. I will destroy the yoke because of fatness. And what I want you to picture right now in your mind, just for a few seconds, is an ox with a big yoke upon it. Amen. Uh, and it is heavy on this ox. This ox is enslaved to its master. It is being forced into a life of servitude. Amen. And this ox is getting worked every day. But somehow, miraculously, this ox gradually begins to get nourished. It begins to get fed. It begins to get fatter and fatter and fatter until the ox, amen, no longer fits inside the yoke. And the yoke is broken and the ox is made free. And this is what God is saying that he is going to do to his people. He says, I'm going to make you so fat. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is not a bad fat. Amen. There's good fat, bad fat. Amen. But this is a good fat. Amen. This is the good cholesterol. Amen. Um, (laughs) He tells him, I'm going to make you so fat. Amen. That the bondage is going to break off. But really, if I were to give you just a nice, good, modern rendition of what God is saying... God is saying, I am going to incrementally, little by little, every day bless you in your situation. I'm not going to deliver you from your situation. But while you're in your situation and while you're in your circumstance, I'm going to start blessing you. Amen. And one day, amen, your enemy is going to look at you and say, this thing doesn't fit anymore. Amen. Inside of its bondage. Amen. In other words, God says, I'm going to make you bigger than your problem. I'm going to make you bigger than your yoke. I'm going to make you bigger than your bondage. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's magnify Jesus. Amen. God is telling us that he will bless us. Amen. Until our situation cannot hold us. Amen. God will make us bigger than our problems. And when you begin to read over scripture, and let me just say this, there are times when you come into church and in just a matter of seconds, amen, the yokes of bondage really are just broken off of your life. I can remember when I came to church, I was suicidal and had been for several years. I remember when I came to church, amen, I was a drug addict. I had been smoking and drinking, selling dope for years, amen. And I I, I kid you not, and let me just say this, we still believe that happens. I don't care what your hang up is. I don't care what your bondage is. I don't care what your yoke is. If you're willing to get real about it, if you're willing to talk to God about it, you can get free from it right now. You can get free from it today. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. If you got a problem with prescription drugs, God can break the yoke off of your life. If you got a problem with alcohol, God can break the bondage off of your life. If you got a problem with smoking, God can break the bondage off of your life. He can do that. I said he can do that. Hallelujah. Amen. But there are times when we are living for God. 
And situations surround us. And situations get on us. And circumstances lock us in. And we think to ourselves, we come to church, we pray. We come to church, we clap. We come to church, we shout. We come to church talking about, I believe God's going to do it. And one month goes by and God don't do it. And two months go by and God doesn't do it. And three months, and then we start thinking, well, maybe God's not going to do it. But let me tell you how God works in some situations. God says, you know what? I'm not taking the yoke off. You're going to outgrow the yoke. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sprinkle a little blessing on you. Amen. In November. And a little bit more on December. And then I'm going to bring you into January and February and March. And I'm just going to bless you incrementally. And before the enemy knows it. And before your situation knows what's happened. You're bigger than your problem. Hallelujah. I'm going to bless you as you go through. Hallelujah. I'm going to... In fact, if you read, if you read this 10th chapter of Isaiah, God says, I'm going to do to Assyria just like I did to Egypt. And a lot of times the only thing we focus in on Egypt when God delivered Israel out of Egypt is the night of the Passover. But let me tell you something. God had been doing something a long time before the night of the Passover. In Exodus 1 and 9, Pharaoh tells all of his, milita- all of his military and his council, uh, he, tells his, he tells his people, he says, the people, the children of Israel are mightier than we. Amen. Here is this man who's ruling the country, the most powerful nation in all the world and he looks amen he looks over his country and he says what is going on amen I got a fat ox in my backyard amen I got these people that I always considered weak and slaves amen and now they're more than us amen they don't have chariots they don't have horses but they're mightier amen they don't have weapons swords shields or arrows but they're mightier amen in fact they're so mighty that Pharaoh says I tell you what we're going to do we're going to order that all of their children be killed amen and and, and Pharaoh orders all the handmaidens, all the, all, the, all, the, all the birthing nurses. He says, you kill every man child that comes out of a woman. Amen. And the nurses look at Pharaoh and they even tell him, the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively. Hallelujah. He says, not even their women are like our women. Their men ain't like our men. Their women aren't like our men. You got a fat ox on your hands. Hallelujah. You got somebody that's been blessed and blessed and blessed. It's too late. The blessing can't be undone. They are bigger than their problem. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I feel so compelled to tell somebody right now that's tired. I feel so compelled to tell somebody this morning that you're wondering, man, why has God not done it? I'll tell you why God has not done it. Because God is going to do it incrementally. Amen. Day after day, month after month. And he's going to do it little By little, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. It's going to be a compounding effect. It's going to be a compounding effect. And so I want to talk to you about three things that you need to do, amen, on your road to fatness. (laughs) Number one, be faithful in your situation. Hallelujah. I said, be faithful in your situation. Faithfulness brings on incremental blessing. Faithfulness brings on incremental blessing, which has compounding effects and which destroys the yoke. Do those little things that attract the blessings of God. Be faithful in your giving. 
Be faithful in your church attendance. Be faithful in your praying. Be faithful in your scripture reading. Be faithful to your spouse. Be faithful to your children. Be faithful to your God. Be faithful to your job. Be faithful to your duties and your responsibility. Don't stop doing what you're doing. And don't stop doing what is right even when you're in a bad situation. Amen. Because I'm telling you right now, when you're in it, amen, and it's getting heavy and the yoke is wearing you out. Amen. And I know you think you're getting thinner and more endemic by the minute. But if you would just stop and, can, and, and just observe what God is doing, you'll actually notice that God is making you bigger and bigger and bigger because you would not have survived this trial two years ago. But here you are right now and you're pushing more weight than ever. You're hauling more than ever. You're moving. Come on. But when, when you are in these kinds of situations, the devil will wake you up every day. And, and, and I, you know, I don't, I, at this point, I really don't care. I got to get on the plane a little bit. You can get mad at me next week if you want. But for now, you're just going to have to take it. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something about relationships. Because when you are in situations, the devil will try to get you, your circumstances, your own mind, your own flesh, will try to get you to be unfaithful to your relationships. And when I mean relationships, I mean spouses. I mean family members. I mean children. I mean friendships. I mean all these things. Hallelujah. When you're, when you're in these situations, the devil will try to get you to be unfaithful to your relationships, to the meaningful relationships. Some, some relationships need to be terminated flat out. But there are other relationships that need to be strengthened constantly. But let me, let me just say this. The fact that there is a problem in a relationship does not mean that there is a problem with that relationship. The fact that you have a problem in a relationship does not mean that the relationship is the problem. All relationships have problems. You stick around this church long enough, you will have a problem. Hallelujah. You stay married long enough, you will have a problem. The minute your kid is born, you will have a problem. Praise God. Amen. There, there are just problems. Amen. If you have siblings, there will be problems. If you, if you go to a church, there will be problems. If you are married, there will be problems. Amen. Any, any, all relationships will have problems. And a lot of times people get discouraged because there are problems in a relationship. We do not, we don't give up on our relationships because they have problems. Amen. We pray for our relationships. We talk things out. We work things out. Amen. And one day God makes that relationship bigger than its problems. Hallelujah. God will strengthen that relationship. But you got to stay in it. The devil will tell you, you know what? You've been at this job so long, don't even go today. Don't even, don't even go today. Just quit. Ten years and you're about to just quit. Miss out on all your blessings. Miss out on all the, on all the, the history that you've, the rapport and everything you've gathered. You know what? Don't do that. You, it, it, you may have to quit your job, but don't just quit. Let God make you bigger than your job. Let God, let, let, let God bless you to the point, amen, where, where you just have no choice but to move to another job. Hallelujah. But, but, don't, but don't, don't leave with that testimony in your manager or your supervisor's eyes that you're no different than anybody else carrying your Bible and quitting the next day. Hallelujah. Don't do that. Don't, don't be numbered among the quitters. Amen. Stay in that job until you're 
So your manager tells you you are overqualified. Go get another job. Hallelujah. But do what's right. Amen. Be faithful. Hallelujah. Don't just be a quitter. Don't just walk out on jobs. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't just quit school. Hallelujah. And, and I know we got a lot of kids here today. Amen. Kids, don't quit school. Hallelujah. Get your education. Go all the way. Amen. Get your degree. Walk that. Walk that. Walk that walk. Amen. Talk that talk. Amen. Get you a good job. Amen. You don't want to be miserable your whole life. Trust you me. Amen. Do it right. Do it good. Be a, be an A student for Jesus. Hallelujah. And if all you could do is be, then be a B student for Jesus. But don't quit. Hallelujah. And if you, if you barely make it by on C's, then be a C student for Jesus. But don't be a quitter for Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Help me preach. I'm talking to the kids right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say Amen. Amen. You, this is a patience game. You got to play the long run because God is blessing you little by little by little by little by little by little by little until that yoke breaks. God's plumping you up. And I know, I know, I know nobody likes to hear that. Hallelujah. We're not talking literally so you can breathe. Hallelujah. God is, God is bolstering you. God is making you more robust. God is making you bigger than your problem. But you got to be patient. You got to be patient. Everybody say patient. Patient. You got to exercise great patience. You know, I'm always, I'm always, I always crack up at the story that the man who was going through a long trial and he prayed, came to the church, started screaming, God, give me patience and give it to me now. You know, I, I don't even pray for patience anymore. I just have it. <laughs> I don't even want, you start praying for patience, God will just go ahead and teach you how to have it. You don't want God to teach you how to have patience, just have it. <laughs> just, just go ahead and have it, praise God. It's, you don't want God to show you how to have patience, praise God. But it, it is Isaiah, uh, amen, towards the end of his own book that says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You will come out. You will come out of your situation on time. Amen. You will come out of your situation on time and not a day too early. And that's, that's the bad news. Uh, you're not coming out until God says you're coming out. You ain't coming out early. But here's the good news. You ain't coming out late either. I know some people think, man, if this keeps going, life's going to pass me by. I'm going to miss out. on No, 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 no. You will come out right on time. If you are living right, doing right, being faithful and being patient, I promise you, you will come out right on time. God, God don't burn the enchiladas. Hallelujah. God, God, God's been cooking a long time. Hallelujah. God ain't burning food. Hallelujah. God ain't, God ain't burning the beans. Hallelujah. God knows exactly what he's doing. You will come out right on time. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to somebody. You know, you know Joseph, and, and this was it, yes, this Wednesday we studied Joseph. You know, Joseph, he was in prison for 13 years. And, 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 and on, on year 11, that's one decade, he had been in jail. One decade and one year. He meets these two guys, and he interprets their dreams. And he tells one of the guys, you're going to get out. You're getting out tomorrow. And he tells him, here's the deal. I just gave you a word of prophecy. Don't forget me when you get out. And the Bible says that the, the cupbearer forgot about Joseph for two years. Did exactly what Joseph told him not to do. I mean, how upset would you be? 
you know, being in prison 10 years, 11 years is hard enough, let alone knowing that you helped somebody else get out that had the keys to get you out. But, but you know what Joseph didn't realize? Had he got out, he wouldn't be Joseph. He would just be Joe on the block. <laughs> you know, had he got out a day early, he would not have risen to the prominence that God wanted to raise him to. He would have got out of prison and just started running the streets of Egypt, whatever that means. But he would have just been hanging out on the block. Amen. But God said, no. This thing's going to cook just a little bit longer because I'm not just trying to get you out so that you can run on the block. I'm trying to get you out so that one day you stand before a king and you get elevated and, and, God, and I do for you. But you're not going to come out a day early and you're not going to come out a day late. And you might feel like you're, you know, I, I've been there when you feel like, when you feel like you're. You know, sometimes you get that feeling like you're this broken down car on the side of the freeway and everyone's just zipping right by you. And everyone's getting their blessings and, and, and people are buying new stuff and you're trying to sell stuff and, <laughs> just to make it in. And you just feel like, like you're just being left behind. Hallelujah. And you just feel like, like life is... I'm telling you right now, you just be patient. And you wait on the Lord. In fact, that word, I've, I've heard people preach this in all kinds of silly ways. But they'll say that the word wait, they that wait upon the Lord means like waiter. Like, you know, that, yeah. And, and they think, you know, God, you know, here you are tired. And God's saying, you know, just two more glasses of water, please. And uh, that is not what the word wait there means. Uh, in fact, uh, God, God won't do that to you. Amen. Um, I, I will tell you what the word wait there means. In fact, when you look it up in the Hebrew, the word wait there means to, to braid. To intertwine. And so what God is literally saying is while you're waiting, get tangled up in me. Get braided up in me. Come by the church and pray. Open up, open up this book until you're talking Bible. Hallelujah. You ever met somebody that talked Bible? Hallelujah. I got a friend. He talked Bible. He even do Bible math. Everything's, I mean, he's just always talking Bible. That's, you, ever, you ever seen those old saints? Everything they do is just Hallelujah. They get in the car. How praise God. Hallelujah. They just quote a scripture over arthritis and talk Bible over chicken. And they just, they talk Bible. Hallelujah. That's the kind of saint you want to be right there. You want to get, you want to get intertwined to when even you're in pain and you're, and, and no matter your situation. Amen. Uh, I, this is what you want to talk. This is, you want to get this stuff in your spirit. Amen. You want to be prayerful. You want to be deep in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just get intertwined with God. Amen. Romans 5 and 3 says, we glory. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Right. One of the biggest fears we have is that after we're done waiting, nothing's going to happen, and we're going to be ashamed. Mm. Come on. I waited all this time. I stuck it out. I was faithful to church. I was faithful to God. I was faithful to my spouse. I was faithful to these kids. I was faithful to this circumstance. And now nothing happened and God didn't come through. And now, now, now my family's going to laugh at me because they were telling me I shouldn't have been running with these crazy people. And now my friends are going to say, see, I told you. And now everyone's going to say, look. She didn't get it. He didn't get it. Mm -hmm. The devil is a liar. Amen. If your hope is in God, right. mm -hmm. 
I said, if your hope is in God, Amen. and we're going to talk about when hope is misplaced but, or misdirected, but if your hope is in God, the scripture says it will not make you ashamed. You will be glad. You will be godly proud that you waited on God. Amen. Amen. You will be God. I didn't get married until I was 29. And you know, everywhere I went, I, man, there was times I thought God was opening doors when it was really just some preacher wanted me to marry his niece. Hallelujah. And, uh, it was never good. Praise God. And, um, amen. It just, it, it, it just, and you know what? I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a family. I wanted these things. And, uh, and you know what? I wanted them now. I wanted them now. But it didn't happen quite the way I wanted to. And I can't tell you how many times I felt like, man, I missed the will of God. And, and I'm not moving, my life's not moving fast enough. And things aren't going in the direction they should. But you know what? I don't regret waiting today. Hallelujah. Hope make not ashamed. You will not be sorry that you waited on God. You will not be sorry that you prayed. You will not be sorry that you fasted. You will not be sorry that you did it the right way. Hallelujah. You don't need to marry a sinner. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to anybody single from kids to young adults. You don't need to marry a sinner. You don't need to date a sinner. Hallelujah. That is not the answer. You don't need to flirt with sinners. You don't need to have another phone with other numbers on it. Hallelujah. You can have one phone, one life, one God. One hope, one... <laughs> Come on, somebody. We're still preaching good. Praise God. You can do things right and be blessed. Amen. You can trust in God. And that is the last thing I want to talk to you about today. You can trust in God. Isaiah, throughout his whole book, is asking one big question over and over and over again in a million different ways. To what extent should we trust in God? Should we rely on alliances with other countries? To fight our enemies? Should we bow to our enemies? You know, little historical facts. You may be interested in this or not. But a lot of times, you know, Assyria was, was a massive power. It was like the United States. And it would just run people over. And so a lot of times what some countries would do is they would go to Egypt. And they would say, hey, you know what? Assyria is about to run us over. We'll give you all of our money if you'll just protect us. And often it didn't go very well. Assyria was actually at the time was a lot more powerful than Egypt. And in fact, Israel did it several times. They went back to Egypt, what God had told them to do since they left. They went back to Egypt, paid all their, gave the Egyptians treasures and money, and they said, protect us. I'll never forget, this may be for somebody, this, I doubt this is, well, you know, lesson learned. All, all, young kids, listen to me. I remember when I was in high school, I got in a lot of trouble. And uh, I was just a problem child, and I was always getting in fights. And I'll never forget one time I just, I beat up the wrong person. You know, you could beat up the wrong person. You could win the fight and lose the fight, you know what I mean? There's just some people, no matter what, you just should not beat them up. And uh, <laughs> I beat up like the wrong person. And uh, I remember one of my buddies told me, man, you shouldn't have beat that guy up. That wasn't good. And, uh, you know, because sometimes that guy you beat up has a big brother <laughs> who's like, not, yeah, it's going to be bad. And so I beat up little brother. And, uh, and, and my buddy said, you know what you need to do? You need to join a gang. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> and so I went and joined a gang and let the gang beat me up. I, I had to get jumped in to be in the gang. So, like, I didn't, I got beat up to avoid getting beat up. <laughs> 
And then I didn't like the gang life. (laughs) And so now the gang wanted to beat me up because I wanted to get out. (laughs) And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. Oh, had I known Jesus back then. I could have just turned to God. I could have just said, you know what, God? I shouldn't have beat little brother up. I shouldn't have got in the gang. I shouldn't have done any of this. And you know what? I believe with all my heart God would have worked that out. Hallelujah. And maybe your situation is not quite like mine. Maybe it will be one day. Hopefully it's not. Amen. But maybe you have a similar situation to where you're trying to avoid trouble here. And so you're hooking up with a solution over here. And neither one of them is right. And you know what your solution is? Find a place to pray. Amen. Put your trust in God. Hallelujah. Let God work it out. Come on, somebody. Let God work it out. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah 26 and 4 says, Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord, Jehovah, is everlasting strength. God gives strength. Why is strength so important? I'll tell you why strength is so important. Because while you're waiting, you're going to need strength. Strength is what's going to help you keep standing as God fattens you up. Strength is what's going to help you not quit while God is incrementally blessing you until you're bigger than your problem. You have to outlast your trial. You've got to outlast your trial. I can't tell you how many times I was in situations that I genuinely did not think were ever going to end. And even if I, even if people told me, hey, that, you know, I love my pastor. He used to tell me all the time, he said, it, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. Hallelujah. <laughs> And uh, every time I came to him with a problem that I was certain was just never going to end and it was going to end horribly, he would tell me, you know what, it came, it came, it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. And, uh, but, you know, back then I just, you get tunnel vision. You get tunnel vision and you just, you can't think of any way that God is going to make a way. And you can't, you try to figure things out and it's just, you, you just don't see any other options. Um, and, and you think, man, this trial is going to take me under. This trial is not going to take you under. I don't know what you're going through right now, but this trial is not going to take you under. And uh, don't, don't, don't turn back to your old ways. And don't, don't, don't turn to sources that really you know are, 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 are gone. They can't help you. Don't. I remember, and I'm, I'm finishing here. I, I hope I'm not boring anybody this morning. I remember uh, when I first got saved, I, I had... I had family members that uh, worked at a very prestigious company. And, uh, man, I, I got saved, and I needed a job really bad, like really bad. And, uh, you know, I was changing. I was, my whole life was changing. And, and, uh, but prior to the big change, I was just quitting jobs all the time and just going from job to job. And um, I had some uncles that worked at, uh, at Slack in Stanford, very, very good job. And, man, they were hiring my uncles got all my cousins' jobs. They got, they got all my friends' jobs. They even gave my cousins' girlfriends' jobs. I mean, everybody was getting a job. And uh, I remember I went and I asked my uncle, you know, I thought, well, you know, surely I'm, I'm cleaned up now and I'm doing better. You know, he's going to help me out too. He's helping everybody else out. And I, I, I asked my uncle, I said, hey, um, uncle, do you think you could help me get a job at, at Slack? And I remember he like straight up, he was like, no. And I was like, well, you're getting everybody else a job. And my dad worked there too, and I, you know, I have several family members that work there. And I, I thought, well, what, what's up with the hookup? Like, 
Like, man, we're hiring everybody and their girlfriend. And not me. And, well, you know, my uncle wasn't crazy about the change that had taken place in my life. My uncle had a great job, has a degree, uh, works at a very prestigious scientific laboratory, but he's a functioning drug addict. And I used to supply some of the functioning drugs. And now I was talking about Jesus and doing Bible talk, and he just didn't think that was very funny. And he thought, you know what? Enough with you. You ain't working here. And uh, I remember I went home and I cried. And I cried out of anger and frustration. I wasn't crying because I was like heartbroken. I was mad. I, and, and I remember getting on my knees, and I was, such a, I was just new in the Lord. And I remember crying and saying, God, I'm living right. I'm doing right. I'm not doing drugs. I'm, I'm turning my life on that. And, 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 and I'm asking my uncle for a job, and he's not helping me out, and he's helping everybody else out, and this is not fair. And I remember God said, I told him to turn you down. I made him turn you down because I don't want you trusting in him anymore. I want you trusting in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you know what kind of job I got next? A really low-paying one. <laughs> and I thought, man, this is, I got a God job. Hallelujah. I got one of those jobs that keeps you real humble. Just, <laughs> I got one of those jobs that teach you how to pray. Hallelujah. And, uh, and you know what? But praise God. Amen. I just endured and I endured and I let God get me out of minimum wage and I let God get me out of broke and I let God get me out of busted. And, and you know what? Before I knew it, I, I thought, man, I'll never buy a car. And somebody gave me a car. Hallelujah. And I thought, man, I'll never get a better car. And then I, somebody gave me a better car. Praise God. And I kept getting better jobs and better jobs. And you know what? I came to find out in the end, hallelujah, as much as I would have appreciated the help back then of people. Amen. It was God that wanted me to trust in him. God said, I don't want you going to Assyria or Egypt. That's not the answer. The answer is to trust in me. Trust in me. Oh, come on, somebody. God's talking to somebody right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Praise God. Amen. Brother Jesse, hallelujah. Amen. We're going we're gonna to sing something right now that will help you trust in God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we just close our eyes for a few seconds? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I feel a very special presence of God here right now. We're just going to pray here for a few seconds together. Hallelujah. We're going to worship the Lord, but right now God is touching, talking to somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to work out these trust issues right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus.
We're going to pray together right now in just a few seconds. You know, I got, I got, I got two kids at home. One, well, one, one's here right now. And there are things around the house that uh, I, we don't like them to touch. There's things around the house we don't like them to mess with. And some things we find out, you know what, we shouldn't have put that there. That's just not safe. And so we move those things. But then there's other stuff where I refuse to change the environment because my child won't listen. And the reason I don't do that is because I'm setting them up for false expectations. Because in the real world, the environment doesn't change for you. There are times your child, you, me, all of us together are going to be in a situation that is not going to change. It is going to, it's going to stay the way it is. It will not be modified, adjusted, or accommodating. It's going to stay just the way it is. But what can change is us. When the environment won't change and the circumstance won't change, God says, you can change. You can break this yoke. You can get bigger than your problem. If you'll endure, if you'll have a right attitude, if you'll be patient, you'll outgrow this. If you'll be faithful, if you'll be loyal, if you'll be true, you'll outgrow this. And so today, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what your situation you're you're in. But if it's not changing, we're going to pray right now that God change us. We're going to stop praying that the whole world change. It's not going to change. We're going to start praying that God bring about a change in us. Hallelujah. I want us all to lift our hands together. change me Jesus God I pray Lord that your blessing your incremental blessing your compounding blessing would begin to rain on us God Lord I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody here under the sound of my voice that's facing a situation that's not going to change anytime soon I pray that today you would bring about a change in them I pray that today even if it's by the smallest measure there would be a change that takes place in our heart, a change that takes place in our mind, a change that takes place in the way that we talk, a change in the things that we trust in, a change in the things that we confide in. In Jesus' name, come on, let's pray. Faithful, faithful, faithful.